Section 19 of The Dove's Nest and Other Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Dove's Nest and Other Stories by Catherine Mansfield. Mr. and Mrs. Williams. That winter, Mr. and Mrs. Williams of the Rowans, Wickenham, Surrey, astonished their friends by announcing that they were going for a three weeks' holiday to Switzerland. Switzerland! How very enterprising and exciting! There was quite a flutter in Wickenham households at the news. Husbands coming home from the city in the evening were greeted immediately with, My dear, have you heard the news about the Williams? No, what's up now? They're off to Switzerland. Switzerland? What the dickens are they going there for? That, of course, was only the extravagance of the moment. One knew perfectly well why people went. But nobody in Wickenham ever plunged so far away from home at that time of year. It was not considered necessary, as golf, bridge, a summer holiday at the sea, an account at Harrods and a small car as soon as one could afford it were considered necessary. "'Won't you find the initial expenditure very heavy?' asked stout old Mrs. Preen, meeting Mrs. Williams quite by chance at their nice obliging grocers. And she brushed the crumbs of a sample cheese biscuit off her broad bosom. "'Oh, we shall get our kit over there,' said Mrs. Williams. "'Kit?' was a word in high favour among the Wickenham ladies. It was left over from the war, of course, with cheery, washout, hun, bosh, and bolshy. As a matter of fact, bolshy was post-war, but it belonged to the same mood. My dear, my housemaid is an absolute little hun, and I'm afraid the cook is turning bolshy. There was a fascination in those words, to use them was like opening one's red cross cupboard again and gazing at the remains of the bandages, body belts, tins of anti-insecticide and so on. One was stirred. One got a faraway thrill, like the thrill of hearing a distant band. It reminded you of those exciting, busy, of course anxious, but tremendous days when the whole of Wickenham was one united family. And although one's husband was away, one had for a substitute three large photographs of him in uniform. One in a silver frame on the table by the bed, one in the regimental colours on the piano, and one in leather to match the dining room chairs. Cook strongly advised us to buy nothing here, went on Mrs. Williams. Cook? cried Mrs. Preen, greatly astounded. What can... Oh, Thomas Cook, of course, I mean, said Mrs. Williams, smiling brightly. Mrs. Preen subsided. But you will surely not depend upon the resources of a little Swiss village for clothes, she persisted, deeply interested, as usual, in other people's affairs. Oh, no, certainly not. Mrs. Williams was quite shocked. We shall get all we need in the way of clothes from Harrods. That was what Mrs. Preen had wished to hear. That was as it should be. The great secret, my dear, she always knew the great secret, the great secret, 
and she put her hand on mrs william's arm and spoke very distinctly is plenty of long-sleeved woven combies thank you ma'am both ladies started there at their side was mr wick the nice grocer holding mrs preen's parcel by a loop of pink string dear me how very awkward he must have he couldn't possibly not have in the emotion of the moment mrs preen thinking to gloss it over tactfully nodded significantly at mrs williams and said accepting the parcel and that is what i always tell my dear son but this was too swift for mrs williams to follow her embarrassment continued and ordering the sardines she just stopped herself from saying three large pears mr wick please instead of three large tins two as a matter of fact it was mrs williams and aggie's happy release which had made their scheme possible happy release it was after fifteen years in a wheelchair passing in and out of the little house at ealing she had to use the nurse's expression just glided away at the last glided away it sounded as though aunt aggie had taken the wheelchair with her one saw her in her absurd purple velvet steering carefully among the stars and whimpering faintly as was her terrestrial wont when the wheel jolted over a particularly large one aunt aggie had left her dear niece gwendolen two hundred and fifty pounds not a vast sum by any means but quite a nice little windfall gwendolen in that dashing mood that only women know decided immediately to spend it part of it on the house and the rest on a treat for gerald and the lawyer's letter happening to come at tea-time together with a copy of the sphere full of the most fascinating thrilling photographs of holiday-makers at murren and st moritz and montana the question of the treat was settled you would like to go to switzerland wouldn't you gerald very much you're awfully good at skating and all that kind of thing aren't you fairly you do feel it's a thing to be done don't you how do you mean but gwendolen only laughed that was so like gerald she knew in his heart of hearts he was every bit as keen as she was but he had this horror of showing his feelings like all men gwendolen understood it perfectly and wouldn't have had him different for the world i'll write to cooks at once and tell them we don't want to go to a very fashionable place and we don't want one of those big jazzy hotels i'd much prefer a really small out-of-the-way place where we could really go in for the sport seriously this was quite untrue but like so many of gwendolen's statements it was made to please gerald don't you agree gerald lit his pipe for reply as you have gathered the christian names of mr and mrs williams were gwendolen and gerald how well they went together they sounded married gwendolen gerald gwendolen wrote them bracketed on bits of blotting paper on the backs of old envelopes on the store's catalogue 
they looked married. Gerald, when they were on their honeymoon, had made an awfully good joke about them. He had said one morning, I say, has it ever struck you that both our names begin with G? Gwendolyn Gerald. You're a G? And he had pointed his razor at her. He was shaving. And I'm a G. Two G's. G-G. See? Oh, Gwendolyn saw immediately. It was really most witty. Quite brilliant. And so sweet and unexpected of him to have thought of it. G-G. Oh, very good. She wished she could have told it to people. She had an idea that some people thought Gerald had not a very strong sense of humour. All the more precious for that reason, however. My dear, did you think of it at this moment? I mean, did you just make it up on the spot? Gerald, rubbing the lather with a finger, nodded. Flashed into my mind while I was soaping my face, he said seriously. It's a queer thing. And he dipped the razor into the pot of hot water. I've noticed it before. Shaving gives me ideas. It did indeed, thought Gwendolyn. End of section 19 Recording by Rob Marland in Switzerland <laughs>